Hey, welcome back. This is Play Games Lose Friends. I'm Ryan here with Ken. You're listening to episode 13. That's a ah, the lucky 13. Number. Lucky yeah. 13. Uh, no, not in getting this recorded. We've had like 4,000 <laughs> technical <been> difficulties. <laughs> yes. All the problems. Uh, I don't understand. Like, I always wondered why people did like professional podcasting studios and like spent thousands of dollars in equipment. And I'm starting to understand now why people do this because when you don't, this is what you get the most amateur yeah. of shows possible. But hey, yeah, it's like we made it. Bubblegum and Balsa would. If we're lucky, it might hold together for the next hour. All right. It's been a little while, everybody. Oh, we're back. Uh, we're back, though. We're back. We've got yeah. a list of what we played, as always, and a very special guest this episode. We got the chance to interview the creator of Cosmic Frog, uh, Jim Felly, who is from Devious Weasel Games. So we have about a 35 to 40-minute interview that we're going to splice into the episode. Had a chance to sit down with Jim for a while and just talk about Cosmic Frog, talk about his upcoming project, which we'll talk uh, a little bit about towards the end of the show, too, because I got to play that, which was really nice. Thanks to Jim, by the way, for the uh, tabletop simulator access, and that is going to go live pretty soon. So we'll we'll plug that later on, or maybe next episode once uh, it's officially out. Actually, it was officially out yesterday. He emailed me, so there we go. Uh, nice. And we'll talk about Cosmic Frog for the review and jumped into our back bot, which has grown to a Herculean size thanks to the gap in between recording from last time to today. So apologies for boring you at the end of the show. But – there's a lot of good stuff out there coming, so we're going to waste a lot of money. All right. Last time we got the chance to talk, we had a board game night coming up, and we since had that night, and it's going to be a while till our next one. Um, we got the chance to play a bunch of games, but two were in, two in particular we really want to talk about. One was one that you had kickstarted that we got the chance to play just you, me, and my wife once, and now we got the whole group to play together, and that is Reincarnated, which – I think you could do a better job explaining this to me, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so Reincarnated was, uh, like you said, a, a Kickstarter game uh, that was backed. Honestly, the art is what drew me in. And then I started, fo- you know, watching the gameplay videos and, and, you know, the, you know, all the content that was being put up on the campaign. And, I just fell in love. And honestly, thank God, because the game's also good, too. So all that love was good. Um, but basically, Reincarnated is you're building a tableau of, of living beings uh, that trigger uh, – they, they each have little symbols on them. And they will – you want to try to match symbols, but you don't need to. But if you can match symbols, you'll be able to get more of the um, action cards. And the action cards – are you know allow you to look at your scoring card or look at an opponent's scoring card or uh, bring things back to life or kill things just you know sort of the a little bit of the take that aspect of the game it's not heavily take that but it's got a a thread of it um, and then basically when you I believe it's six six beings seven beings uh, that are alive and your end one has the human. Uh, element on it, you can evolve your your sort of creature or your your evolutionary line uh, to end with the, the 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 man card, and that's a bonus of five points. 
And then uh, once that is triggered, I think everyone gets one more round. And then you flip over your scorecard and tally it up. But the beauty of this is you don't know what your scorecard is at the beginning of the game. You don't know what you're actually trying to build or trying to go for. So you're trying to find a way to look at your cards so that you could build your tableau to try to score the most points. And honestly, there's been times of this game where you can be the first one out, get that plus five, and then you don't win because of the points and how that whole shakes out. Um, what did I miss, Ryan, on Reincarnated? I just think it's a cool game. It's a cool concept. I haven't really played anything like it. It's f- pretty fast. Um, but the, the hidden scoring mechanic is the key to that game. Uh, and, and then the fact that like you don't know your own and you don't care because you're going to spend those action cards to go look at somebody else's just to make sure they don't get what they need. And you may not even know what you need. Uh, it's, it's a weird thing to see like hidden scoring and not look at your own and look at other people's first. But I did play that way a couple times. I just thought that was a really cool thing to that game. I like the, uh, you know, the sort of push and pull that goes on between players when they know each other's scoring conditions too, especially if they're vying for the same color cards or the same types of cards. And yeah, I also exactly. like the comboing of certain animals. Like I can't remember what the combos are because it's been weeks since we played, but <laughs> there are certain like animals you can pair up that are worth like mega points if you can get them, but like good luck getting them. They get buried in piles and you can't really dig them up or someone else steals one and you're not going to be able to get it back. There's just a lot going on. But I, I think the hidden scoring thing is the real gem of that game. Yeah, and I think um, maybe down the road we might be able to sit down and speak with uh, the designer of this. Uh, this was his, I believe, the first game uh, from this publisher. Um, there Pretty is solid for a first title. Yeah, there are, there there is rumor of uh, expansions coming back uh, to Kickstarter, hopefully soon. But not again. But not that the game needs it because it's very replayable with just out of the box. But more more of something good is always awesome, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe more to come from a content perspective on that. Uh, but yeah, reincarnated, solid, fun little game. Um, I believe you can buy it on uh, on Amazon, and then definitely on the website. And I believe, um, let me think, is it? Uh, I believe it's Doolittle gaming let me confirm that yeah do little gaming um is the website uh and uh you should be able if you if you're interested in this card game you can pick it up there uh, but again beautiful art fun game solid yeah i enjoyed it and for the price point it's pretty good Absolutely. uh the other title we got to play a bunch of was cascadia it took us uh, it was towards the end of the night and someone said what, what's a quick game we can play and i said oh cascadia should be pretty quick and yeah i was wrong it wasn't. It quick, has animals, but it was fun. It has animals. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Think, I'm not gonna go fast. <laughs> we had uh, we had four of us playing, and uh, Cascadia is a pretty unique game. I don't have any quite like it. Uh, basically, you are building a a slate of tiles in front of you, and there's sort of a starting one that you get, and then you draft tiles and these uh, wildlife tokens. And I think there's what five animals: there's elk, bear, salmon, fox, and hawks or something some some yes. avian creature and yeah, you're supposed to draft eagles. these yeah something draft these tiles place them on your on your area in front of you connected to another tile but the key is to try to connect as many of the same region or or, or 
land type as possible. So build a big line of forests or a big line of, of plains or whatever. But all the while you are using these wildlife tokens to place on those land tiles wherever you choose and then trying to score some conditions based off these random scoring cards. And I believe there's five for each uh, animal type. So you can kind of change it up from game to game. Um, an example would be like a run of salmon. So you have to have five salmon in a row on connected tiles or a fox needs to have uh, three or more types of the same animal around it adjacent to it. Lots of stuff like that. So a lot of geometrical things to pay attention to, a lot of drafting things to pay attention to. Um, you know, you're constantly pulling these tiles randomly from a stack when you, uh, you select one and replenish. Same thing with the animal tokens. And then there's these little pinecone wildlife tokens that allow you to sort of just pick and choose what you want. But those tokens are also worth points at the end of the game. So they're not always worth spending. So I've gotten what? two or three plays of this game now, but I'm curious now that you had your first uh, shot at it, what you thought. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it, it's very, it's, uh, you know, it's simple mechanically, but, yeah. but it can be very crunchy. And, and that's where, you know, obviously I took, I took a while to, because you want to, you, you, you have to score every animal. And if you don't score every animal, you're not even going to be competitive in this game. So you need to, um, do your best and pick the right tiles with the right tokens because you can't, you don't have a reserve. So you, ha whatever you pick, you have to play. Uh, so, and it has the, um, if, if you're familiar with Catan, right, the longest of a certain, you know, you, you get the longest of a certain, um, terrain type. Um, so in this one, there's what, five terrains too? There's five animals, five terrains or something like that. So yeah, it's five or you have six. an opportunity. Yeah, you have an opportunity to score a lot of points if you can, again, sort of make it happen. And it's possible, but again, that's where the decisions come in, and and then the the crunch. Um, but I yeah, I was very impressed with it. Uh, you know, for um, you know, there's a lot of buzz around this game. There's a lot of buzz around this game. Uh, the publisher of it. Um, and, and the other games in the same sort of vein of it. Um, I've I've only played this one, but I think what is it? Uh, they always compare Calico. it to Calico, and, and then then you back a new up. one, Verdant, yeah. yeah. And I thought there was another one in this sort of world, but but yeah, I was impressed. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. The tough part for for me playing that game is is trying to decide between those land bonuses and the you know wildlife tokens and being able to place to score. You get so distracted by the wildlife tokens that you don't always pay attention to the land and, and just how important that is, and that ends up becoming a huge scoring swing at the end of the game. Um, yeah. But the other part of it too is I've played it three times now. It's impossible to get them all. Like you have to be. Playing you have to pick the ones the ones you want. Yeah. You know, and try to focus. It's, it's tough. Like, but but I'm also thinking again maybe with the I you know we have to try it again but like maybe it makes sense to do more about the land and don't care about the animals as much because the animals I don't know it didn't feel like there was a lot of swingy points unless you really really did something special with your animals you know are you fishing for a compliment about your no no birds? no 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 because no, no, you I, did very well with the birds <laughs> there you Dude, go the birds won me the game no 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 the birds won me the game but they did um, but no but but you don't have that with every other, uh, you know, of the other animals, right? Like, yeah, it was and like surround a fox the and get five points. Different. 
Yeah, exactly. Like it could have, that could have been more like the salmon, where it's like, oh, get five in a row and get seven points. And it's like that's not a lot of points for how hard that is to do. We're like, you know, again, the bird one was relatively easy to do, um, but you know, it was commitment to try to get that to happen. Yeah, um, and there's a bit of luck and draw with files and tokens too. Yeah, yeah, but again, to do the fox and the falcons at the same time, you know, trying to do that. But, you know, I, yeah. I, I I thought it was uh, very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Yeah, I wasn't sure what I would think about that whole kind of tile playing. Normally, that could either be hit or miss for me. I'm not a big tile playing, <laughs> tile laying type player for most games. But this one worked out, and it's puzzly enough to keep me interested. The variation in scoring conditions help. So. And the games are pretty competitive. Like, most of the scores are close. It's not like you can generally blow people out, so... I definitely recommend it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I figured you would. I just wasn't sure with four people, but now I know it's not a quick game with four people either, so I won't make that mistake again because you literally sit there and think. But three of us were playing for the first time, right? So yeah, maybe that yeah. has something a little bit to do with it. I think everybody picked up on the rules pretty quick because it is so simple. Like you said, it's just a matter of uh, you really want to score well and wrapping your head around <laughs> the animal scoring conditions can be tough sometimes in, in lieu of the... You know, just building the lands out consecutively, which maybe is a better approach. I don't know. You could well, be on then, something there. And then we're also not um, – how do I put this? We're not arrogant and ego at the table, but we all do want to win. So we all do, like, try our, our damnedest to do the best we can, right? Yes, so we do. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we're not sore winners or sore losers at the same time. But yet we don't not try to win, like, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. So so that's Cascadia. Uh, we also got one final game in, which we're going to talk in detail in a review today about, and that is Cosmic Frog. I've owned Cosmic Frog now for probably over a year or two. Uh, picked it up because of the theme. Just looks so wacky and weird. Love the actual game, and we had a chance to play with the four of us, I think for the second time now. And uh, I'm pretty yeah, sure buddy, Brad Maybe won. even third. Was it Brad I mean, or Joe that won? Somebody had the most, like, mishmash, random-ass collection of tiles in their, their vault and managed to beat us <laughs> because they had, like, such a weird mix of stuff. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure it was Joe, right? I feel like it was Joe, too, because he, like – I feel like he did it on purpose. Like, he purposely Maybe. didn't put his tableau together I'm just going to make this look like, as disorganized <laughs> and – nonsensical as possible and still show these efforts that i can win yeah so we uh we've played that game a couple times now i think everybody loves it it's a very unique game it's not really there's nothing out there like it it's kind of one of those games that's just so out there and strange that you either love it or you hate it and i think that applies to the theme and also the gameplay but we're going to talk a lot more about cosmic frog later in the review before we get there we had a chance to sit down with jim felly who is, I believe, the owner and game designer of Devious Weasel Games, uh, and Cosmic Frog's one of those. And he sat down with us for about 35, 40 minutes for a nice chat. We got to talk to Jim about Cosmic Frog and about some stuff with game design and his you know, sort of career in the games industry and how things have gone for him so far. And a little sneak peek into an upcoming title, which is going to be out, I think, towards the end of this year beginning of next year but we'll see how that goes so let's uh take a, a short pause here or a long pause i guess it would be to talk with jim and we'll be back 
All right. We're joined tonight by Jim Felly. Is my pronouncing it correctly? That is correct. All right. I, I didn't met, butcher it too badly. Uh, Jim Felly, the creator of Cosmic Frog, which uh, we got the opportunity to play last Tuesday. Uh, Jim, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so we wanted to dive in a little bit to Cosmic Frog as, as a title, but we also spend some time with folks we interview trying to get some ideas of what got you started in game design, some tenants you follow as you go through design processes, just learning more about you as a creator and the process that you go through when you build games. Let's start with Cosmic Frog. So I think sure. Ken, Ken and I will try to bounce questions back and forth <laughs> as best we can here. Uh, we're still kind of new at this, but hey, we'll give it our best shot. So. Very curious, what came first, the Cosmic Frog theme, or did you have a game with mechanics and, and later you decided to just throw this crazy, wacky theme on it? <laughs> it's, it's really funny because normally um, I always um, do theme and setting first and let everything evolve from there. And Cosmic Frog was the first game where the mechanisms uh, existed before the frogs came in. So originally the game was going to be about giants and I was going to uh, have these giants going around this, this world and uh, stuffing stuff into their sacks and then pulling it out and throwing it into their actual, actual vault in their <laughs> cave. And the, the, the thing that I liked about the idea for this was they were going to hit each other so hard that the knockback would take them maybe around the world three or four times before they landed, right? So the problem was when I got to movement, because like, well, they can walk, well, they could run, well, a giant could jump. Well, so it was really, really difficult and complicated for movement. And then I thought, all right, forget, forget the giants, let's do dragons. Oh, but then you got to worry about flight and, yeah. you know, Dragons and they they can go slow. They could so that's not right either. So I was sitting. I was actually having my car fixed, and I was sitting in a subway, um, having a coffee and tapping my 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 finger agitatedly against the table. When I thought, I wish there was just one movement, just one way to move. And then I thought about jumping, and then I thought about frogs, and the rest is history. <laughs> Well, honestly, that was one of the things just, you know, for what it's worth, I think that really drew us in. And I would imagine that's where a lot of your fan base is too. It's, it's just that, that it's such a unique theme and, and, and the art that has been wrapped around in it. Um, just brilliant. So. Well, well, thank you. There's a little story in the art, if you'd like to hear it, please. So, um, I uh, like to work with um, a couple of, of artists on my games. One is Naomi Robinson um, out in the UK, and the other is a, a very talented young lady named uh, Tawny Pettit, who's out in California. Tawny um, and Naomi both did artwork on Zimbi Mojo, and um, uh, Naomi did the land tiles for Cosmic Frog. And um, the frogs themselves uh, were done by Tawny Pettit. And um, Tawny um, and I had some communication and I, and I said, listen, here's what the game's about. And I'd like you to go look at the old album covers by um, Roger Dean and uh, look at some old work by Peter Max and, and by um, Roddy Matthews and, and see what you feel. And then she found an artist named um, Richie Beckett, 
and patterned her style um, after that. And that's where this sort of psychedelic kind of um, cosmic-y kind of feel came from, her ability to kind of blend all these styles together. So sometimes you might look at this and you'll see the floating islands occasionally, like in the massive cards, like that are an homage to Roger Dean. Yep. And you've got some of the... Um, the other detailed work on the frogs, it's a little touch to Rodney Matthews and, and sort of this blending and, and other wonderful detail and coloring uh, that's sort of an homage to uh, Richie Beckett. It's pretty interesting to hear about the the giant story too, um, yeah. thinking about punching themselves across the world and how it evolved into literally punching something into another dimension, which is a, a big step up, but for some reason, just with the cosmic frog theme just works so very well. Um, I think that's, that's awesome. I am looking at well, again, art prints, right? I bought one of the art prints that you had put up um, ah. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to order a couple more because the art for this game is just so fantastic and so unique. So cheers to the artists. If, if they ever listen to this, it's, it's fantastic. And I, there's a lot of other folks on that board game geek thread that were, that were interested in ordering too. So hopefully you guys got a lot of orders. Yeah, the first run sold out, and um, it was a test run because I've never worked with this um, yep. this company before. And it turns out that um, man, it's expensive to do that. So I think I I think I f- I figured out that in order to open it up again, I'm going to have to raise the prices a little bit. But I think I'm going to do it and reopen it up um, probably in a week or two. I'm in for another. Yeah, because I think there was one or two that were sold out that we didn't get to grab that we were both like, oh, I wanted that one. I wanted that one. Not that we are, are sad at, at ones we got, but we were just happy to get them, right? Just in case it doesn't happen again, you know? Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so it, it's funny. You actually answered, uh, you know, one of one of our next questions was, you know, why was it frogs and not sloths or or mantids or ships or anything. So, so we won't bore, you know, we won't repeat the question, but. Um, well, well the, the thing about the thing about the frogs though, cause, cause it is kind of funny. Um, it wasn't just that they could leap and that's what focused on frogs. It was that the way that I was trying to work the sacks of the giants, the yeah. last thing they stuffed in was the first thing they pulled out. <laughs> it, it was the perfect concept for the frog's gullet. And so it just was sort of like, serendipitous that it all fell together at once at that moment with the frogs. Well, what's interesting too is, and I'm, again, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, uh, research you did on actually frogs, but there are frogs that like eat mammals and, and, you know, have that like sort of extendable bellies that it just, it, it's perfect. So um, it just resonated with me, you know, knowing a little bit about amphibians. So it was cool. Well, well I'm glad it did. One of the fun parts about that too is explaining this to people who haven't played it before, what the mechanics are that you ingest, (laughs) right? Like that teach for most games is kind of, you know, people sit there and they're a little like bored with this one. You explain it like, what the hell are you talking about? Is this really what you're, (laughs) and it's, it makes it more fun to teach. Honestly. I I had to write a rule book without using the word vomit. Well, <laughs> well, that's funny too. Like when we go to that, you know, when we go out into the ether and we have to uh, dispel our land. I mean, I think we use any other word but the one that's written on the on the cheat sheet we use. And I, you know, it's just every everyone has a different term for it. But we just a lot of we, sound we effects too. Yeah. yeah, we make noises. <laughs> yeah, when we were test playing around the table, um, when someone would be out in the ether, being, okay, Red, what are you doing? He goes, I'm puking. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, again, having, you know, when it came to the mechanics and, and how this game was working. So was there anything that was, that got, that got cut or that was on the cutting room, you know, that, that just didn't make it into the final product for Cosmic Frog? So, so I'm sorry. I just got to know, says my connection is unstable and I kind of lost you for a moment. Okay. No problem. It looks better now. Can you repeat okay. the question? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you were going through the game and, and, and mm-hmm. I believe it was a Kickstarter project too, if I don't, if I remember correctly, um, what was cut from the game, if anything, uh, sure. Yeah. Didn't so fit or wasn't balanced properly. Yeah. So sure. So first off, I I want to say that um I never kickstart. Um, everything I do, um, I put up my own money for and take directly okay. into production, and I I do that for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is that if I don't put my skin in the game, I I can't really expect people to put their money down for a game. So I kind of feel like it keeps me honest. Um, as far as stuff that got, one of the major things that got cut was in the original version of Cosmic Frog, there were no dice. So you had these poker chips and on the bottom of the, you had, everyone had five of them. And on the bottom of them were numbers zero through four. And uh, what you would do in combat is you would lay out your chips and your opponent would randomly pick which ones you were going to play. Um, so, and you got two unless, and then in that case, boosting was still adding to the sum of these poker chip numbers, uh, but overpowering was adding another chip. And so um, it was a different range of numbers. There was a little different cost to it, but what it allowed was that you could sort of metagame and play with your, you know, your, your opponent's mind. Like my friend would always say, this is my four, take this one. That's my four. Or they maybe they'd try and put their, their um, high valued ones in the middle and leave the extremes to be the low valued ones so that you pick the extremes. So once you picked your opponent's chips, you reveal them. And, and that was, that was replaced by die rolls uh, in the final version of the game. Very cool. Did that, did that make any sense at all? It did. It's a little bit more of a gambling mechanic than dice in a way. Um, and, and, a little bit more misdirection potential there too, which is kind of cool. I think the yes. dice, the dice worked out well uh, in combination with, you know, the ability to boost and, and use your oomph to be able to do a bit more there. Um, although the poker chips definitely, I, I almost want to try that. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds pretty fun. Anytime you so, get poker chips into a board game, I'm in. Yeah. So, so originally, um, so when I, I did those, the cost was just way too yeah. prohibitive for those. Um and I like the tactile feel of the dice. The other thing that got cut out was um, mental combat, because in the original version of the game, not only were they invulnerable and immortal, but they were also psionic. Oh wow! Um, so so that got cut also. However, having said that, um, I'm I'm gonna eventually um, bring that back. Uh, that's curtails perfectly into our next question which is ah. what is next for cosmic frog it's it's one of those games that uh i would love to see some kind of new content or expansion for we we enjoy playing it so much and and there's opportunities to add on i would imagine so um so yeah so uh 
I've been very, very lucky with Cosmic Frog um, in that all of the, the first three printings, when they um, came in and went into distribution, they, they basically sold out in the same day. Wow. So um, there, I just today actually submitted the contract for the fourth printing. So that should be coming hopefully around the end of the year. Um, and um, I'm trying to get uh, Tawny to give me eight more frogs um, to uh, create an expansion, um, which will bring into the game um, that poker chip mecha- uh, mechanism using uh, cards instead and um, mental powers. Okay. That you <laughs> Are you going to do so, four runs oh, right away off the bat? Because no, <laughs> no, get popular. No, but but so I'll give you a little a little heads up. So so it, other than some actual abilities that are that are based on mental, you'll get two decks of of twenty four ability cards. Okay, um, and one deck will be written to work with these um, cards, these poker chip type surrogate cards instead of dice, and the other set will be geared to work with dice. So if you want to keep using the dice that you got with the original game, you can still use the mental stuff. If you want to use this other mechanism, you can use it instead of dice for your old Cosmic Frog game with or without the mental powers. So it'll okay. be really flexible. That's and cool. then uh, other than the mental powers themselves, um, there will be just a standard mental attack, which basically works like this. Anywhere that you're in my line of sight, while you are um, on the shard, um, I can mentally blast you. And we have mental combat. And all of these cards, well, you know how they've got those little symbols like for shard combat, ether combat, yep. and fault rating? There'll be another one for mental combat on there. And um, if I beat you by Delta, then the top thing in your gullet flies out of your mouth on the attack line toward me that many spaces then the next thing (laughs) flies out one space fewer then the next one flies out one space fewer any item that flies out of their mouth that would fall on your hex or fly over your hex you can snap up and put into your gullet cool so that makes close combat and close quarters that much more rewarding potentially to be able to just steal stuff right there if you're if you you know you're able to win and knock some stuff out Right. So if you think about sort of if you hit the frog so hard in in the normal combat that it vomits up its stuff and you grab it, um, this is bringing projectile vomiting into the game. (laughs) Awesome. I can't argue with that. That's that's so amazing. We we need to be playing that way right now. (laughs) So that that leads me to one last question about Cosmic Frog before we move on. Sure. Did you anticipate any level of success like you've seen? I, I know I've seen a lot of you know commentary around Cosmic Frog, whether the randomness of the game makes it kind of polarizing for a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get six or not six, like five, five consecutive turns in a rare case or three consecutive turns. And, you know, other people don't get to go for five turns in a row. Knowing that's so polarizing, are you kind of surprised by how successful this was that you were able to just slam through three print runs and sell out in a day for every one of them? Uh, I was completely stunned. Um, most of my stuff. So um, I, when I make a game, 
I do it for myself and for my friends. And then um, if I decide to, to publish it, it's, I view it sort of as an invitation for other people to come and kind of like virtually join my gaming table and play games that I like to play. So I don't ever do any marketing. I don't do any kind of what is the market looking at, what's hot now. I, I, I hate that stuff. So, <laughs> so just hitting something where people have an affinity toward it and picked it up is is it's just a lucky break. And I'm very, I'm very happy to have been this lucky with Cosmic Frog. Yeah, it's it's I think there's something to that where we see some of the best games we play come from designers who build the thing they want to build and not what, you know, the cultural zeitgeist wants at the time or the marketing shows is the most effective type of, you know, game engine builder, or dice game, whatever. Um, some of the best stuff in my collection is like that. And I think Ken would probably agree too. So that that's really cool to hear. Oh, absolutely. So I know you just mentioned about uh, making games that, you know, you like to play or that your friends like to play. If, if, you know, if there is a game set up on your table right now, what is it that you're playing? <laughs> you know, um, I am embarrassed at how few games I actually play. <laughs> um, you know, part of it is um, I feel like sometimes I get hit with this nagging opportunity cost vibe. It's like, well, why am I doing this when I could actually be designing something myself, you know? But a lot of it, <laughs> A lot of it is that um, I really, I'm really terrified of stealing someone's idea and not knowing it or, or being unduly influenced by somebody else. So I made up a rule for myself that was sort of, it's more of a guideline and rule. It's sort of while I'm designing something, actively designing, I won't play other games unless they're party games with friends or D and D. Um, and uh, and I'm usually always designing, so I never get to play. So, you know, the hand f- games that I've actually played, you know, I can probably count on just using my hands and maybe not even using all my fingers. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. You know, you're like the inverse of, of me and Ken. I think it's like we just consume new stuff and are too lazy to go produce anything because <laughs> we've <laughs> talked about it many times. Yeah. Um but so yeah, tell that just uh, you know we're working on, but it's just let's table it, let's table it. <laughs> but got, it's hard. <laughs> I, it's hard, right? I mean, if you like, I, I feel like I'm very lucky because um, I'm I, I do artwork and I like to to make little little um, little things. So the prototyping stage I find the most fun. And after that's done and the rules are fixed, it's like all boring from that point out, <laughs> you know, and I just want to start another game. I just want to start, you know, drive down the street and say, oh, billboards. Huh? What if they were taking over people's minds? Oh, there's an idea. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that spark of creativity. I think, you know, I'm in the software industry and that's the same thing. Like the first first four weeks of a project are great and everything after that is just dragging hell. So. Yes, I can, I can uh, totally attest to that in whatever form. But yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's interesting to hear that. And there's a lot of folks we talk to. You know, we've only done a few interviews, but everybody we've talked to so far always uses that word "lucky," where they feel like this process that they're a part of and the stuff they get to create um, gives them a good perspective and makes them feel pretty fortunate. So 
it's good to yeah. hear that's the same for you as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. What got you started designing games? What was your first kind of aha moment that this is something that you wanted to seriously pursue and actually get to a retail environment? Um, desperation. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did not play very many um, games growing up. I got, I, I got introduced to D and D back in I think when I was in high school back in like 1978 or 79 or something like that, and that was like this big eye opening moment for me. And you know, from then it was sort of D and D and villains and vigilantes and champions and cosmic encounter. And, and that's all I really remember. And I, I loved those. And I played them through high school. I played them through college. And then, you know, life struck. And it was a matter of working and raising a family and all that. And occasionally, you know, I've, some computer games I play. Um, but I, I reached a point where I couldn't get people around to play anymore. And I just moved to a new city. I didn't know anybody. And so I started fiddling around making my own like overland adventure game that I could teach people how to play. And we could just play in one night and didn't have to have a campaign, but it had mm-hmm. that D feel. And I spent a few years on that and, and that evolved into shadows of malice. And then on a whim, I said, Oh, maybe I'll make this and see if I can sell it. And that was how I got into it. Desperation. Yeah. I think we, uh, as, as, Parents of younger children are going through that a bit as well. Uh, <laughs> we ha- we both have these shelves full of all these wonderful titles that we want to play and get to the table more, and and we just uh, you know time is time is tight, time is tough, and yeah. the idea of of doing something like what you do and and others uh, sitting down and creating in the midst of all that is that's probably a little bit of the reason why we don't get that far, <laughs> and that's understandable. Yeah, it's very understandable. Yeah, but we did we did find an outlet that we could still sort of create and be something, you know, do something, you know, different. You know, and that, thus that we, we're here. <laughs> and, you know? and and here you are. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, kids are in bed. We could, you know, you know, start start our second, you know, hobby at nine o'clock, ten o'clock. So <laughs> um again, going back back to sort of, you know, your your design. And, and you know you're, you you mentioned about you know designing little things and and being an artist. Um, and again, maybe you're not familiar, but um, there was a Blu-ray uh, movie documentary about game designers that uh, mm. you know I you know I think people have you know most people have seen maybe maybe it's been more obscure than I thought. And when they were interviewing some of these designers and they go up into their attic or into their garage and they just have boxes and boxes of not necessarily all the same game, but just tons of ideas and tons of half started, uh, 25% started or ones that were done, but just either got, you know, trashed or didn't get picked up. Do you have that type of archive as well, Jim? Um, not really. Um, okay. So, so I'm a, I'm a scientist. And so I learned early on about the joys of these lab notebooks. And I've got one in my lab right now. And so what I, what I do is I do everything conceptually on paper and I write it in my lab notebook. And so it's sort of got this timestamp on everything. And the only stuff that I have, I have an armoire that's cluttered with um, sort of fungible components. 
So I would buy like a whole bunch of wooden discs or plastic pieces and then put stickers on them. And then I cannibalize them for different games. So all my prototype materials are there and some old, you know, I'll, I'll use something like, um, there's some places online you can get um, neoprene mats made. So I might get mats made when I, when a game comes along, but most of my stuff is just um, sketches, drawings, and scribblings in lab notebooks. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I have a box in the basement near the games uh, that is just components from legacy games that you either resell or pitch uh, when you're done playing them, like Clank Legacy, Pandemic. Uh-huh. I, I have them all saved in the case that I decide to follow my inner Jim Felly and go start building something. So I've got my little horde. I'm, I'm kind of following there. I see what it, you're doing. <laughs> it, is, it is so much fun to have those. Yes. Um, and if using those other components is, so I, I was making this, trying to play this, create this game uh, about um, zombies. And the only, I, I, I don't want to jump on a zombie bandwagon. I hate it. But my whole shtick was zombie apocalypse would never last more than a year. Because by the time summer rolled around, they'd be rotting, their connective tissue would fall apart, and the birds would pick out their eyes. So um, I wanted to make a game where the zombies basically fell apart as you played, and they spread disease that way. And so I was using all these little components that I had, and I realized, this is a mess. There's just too much stuff going on here. And if I start numbering these things, it's going to be a war game, and I really don't (laughs) want to make that. So... So those components were so much fun just to mess around with. And then back into the box, they went. Yeah. Yeah. I could see in the design process, that level of focus and and keeping the mechanics tight while trying to introduce as much as you can to make it as fun as possible is a challenge, right? There's a lot of iteration, a lot of, you know, things you love that you have to part with during that process, things that you didn't even think about that just hit home. Um, you know, that, that whole giant example is a perfect example. And I liked hearing that very curious to ask that question when we got on this call. So I'm glad you answered it. Well, just, just to touch on that real quick. I mean, being an old Warhammer fantasy player and running giants and, or a giant, uh, you know, even with, you know, just that thematic of, you know, that was one of their abilities. Like they would, you know, it was a random, what they would do. They would fall over, put something in a bag they would hit your armies like it was crazy and then just to hear you say that and that's where you you were starting it was just brought back memories from freaking 12 15 years ago <laughs> see and that's the thing is is like with a game i i feel like how do i say this H- have you guys ever seen um ted lasso yes so ted lasso in like the very first season you know he says several times I don't care about wins and losses. I just want these people to become the best versions of themselves they can be. And and that really resonates with me because I don't care about winning and losing. And I really think it's sort of an artificial way for people to feel good about themselves. When in fact, the stories that you take out of a game are what should make you feel good. No one's going to remember who won a game of Cosmic Frog that you played two weeks ago, what they'll remember is, yeah, I just came out of the dimension dimension four and you punched me right back in. I hate you for that. (laughs) Or, or you ruined my vault. Right. 
by taking that one land that gave me four in a row or you broke my, you know, those little stories. Yes. Um, that's what I think, you know, games are about. And so for me, at least, you know, part of my design process is um, I always try to start with a story and I try to imagine it as a movie, how it's, how it would look like if I was watching it in the movie. And if that story resonates, then I try, I really try to make it so that people sort of recreate a story as they play the game. Yeah. I think that's, um, happened to us multiple times of just these moments, you know, when the, the, uh, the shard gets smacked by a, a projectile and <laughs> someone's standing right in the middle of it and just loses. <laughs> like it, those moments are what build, you know, builds your game night. And we have plenty of those every time that, you know, the two of us and our other two friends get together. It's, it's a blast. That's excellent. Um, I want to give you enough time here at the end. I know you have a new project coming. We talked a little bit yeah. about it offline. Um, and I just want to give you some time to talk about it and plug whatever you'd like. And, and yeah. you know, we'll certainly do the same with the episode. So uh, have at it. Oh, thanks. So, yeah, I'm finishing up a new game. It's called The Mirroring of Mary King. And um, I'll give you a little uh, funny story about that, too. It's sort of reminiscence of the giants and the frogs. That sounds like it should be a, a parable, right? The story of the giant <laughs> yes. and the frog. So uh, The Mirroring of Mary King. Um, Originally, my idea was I wanted to do sort of a mirror universe kind of thing uh, where there's this science facility um, and uh, an experiment goes out of control. And this, you know, 50-year-old secretary named Mary King, who's minding her own business, um, gets trapped um, sort of between dimensions. And it's a battle between Mary King of the dimension she's from and Mary King of the mirror universe, right? Try to try to get control to see which reality slams in for Mary's consciousness. And so I, I, I built the game and um, I test played it with a friend of mine. This is my first two player game. And um, he said, Oh, is this Mary King? Like Mary King's close. And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so <clears throat> I went online and Mary King's Close is an actual, it's a haunted alleyway in Edinburgh, Scotland, named after the 17th century merchant burgess, Mary King. And I'm like, oh, criminy. Now it's going to be about Mary King's Close. So now in this game, the mirroring of Mary King. And again, the funny thing was I chose the name Mary King because it sounded so nice with the word mirroring, right? The mirror ring of Mary King. It had a beautiful flow to it. Yep. So now the game is about uh, a young woman named Mary King, who is a descendant of this other Mary King, who's on a vacation in Edinburgh and visits the close. And her ancestor, the ghost says, wow, nice body. I think I'd like to live again and take your body over. <laughs> So it is, this game uh, is a battle between one person plays the mortal Mary King, one person plays the ghost of the past Mary King, and each of them is battling for control over Mary King's body. Um, so Very unique theme. Thank you. Yeah, so, I've uh, not heard that one yet. <laughs> so I, uh, I'll be releasing, uh, hopefully in the next week or two, um, a completely free uh, TTS version of it. 
Um, there's a gentleman out in Finland named uh, Saku Juni who did the TTS mod for Cosmic Frog. And um, he uh, is a, a very talented young man and a very nice young man and does these mods for me for free. And in return, we give them to the game community for free. It started off sort of as a, um, you're all stuck inside from COVID here, have some free toys. Well, that's cool. You deserve it. So that should be hitting. Uh, um, Mary's uh, psyche is this tableau and you have these control cards that tell you which tiles you can flip. And if you play a card, you have a couple orientations you could play it in and you have to flip all the tiles in the card. And if you can complete the tableau to be the mortal and you're the mortal, you win. If you can flip it to be the ghost and you're the ghost, you win. Um, otherwise, um, as you play, your deck is called your mind and your discard pile is your memory. And as you play after each player's turn and you each get one per day over a five-day period, you both suffer penalties to your mind, discard cards from your mind into your memory based on the area of control that the other player has. So you're each whittling down each other's mind. So if you can drive someone out of their mind, then you win the game also. If it makes it through till Friday, uh, you have a scoring system based on the cards left in your mind. So everything you do, um, every card you play, um, erodes your final score unless you can flip all the tiles of Mary. And then there's some power cards that let you do some funny things and some ideas you can buy and your control wanes over the week. And so there's a lot of moving parts, but I think um, overall, it's a, once you get the hang of it, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward little, little game. Very cool. Um, I know you offered to give us a, a TTS demo, so I'm definitely going to be taking you up on that. So I'll have to sure. reach out to you about uh, syncing up there after, after the interview. So Absolutely. we only have a, only have a couple minutes left. Is there anything else you wanted to to plug before we head out? Oh, I, I, I'm not a big plugger. In fact, um, I really am not that comfortable talking about myself at all. <laughs> and and uh, well, you guys you made this very easy. I think your your design for Cosmic Frog was fantastic, and I'm looking forward to checking out the new title. Uh, we're gonna, you know, talk about it in our next episode. I'll hopefully get a chance to play with you on TTS before then, so I can give some first impressions and. Um, you know, should be proud of what you built so far. It was a very fun experience picking up cosmic frog for the first time and getting to play it with our group. And we've enjoyed it ever since. So appreciate, uh, you coming out and making some time to talk to us tonight and hopefully we'll be in touch. Maybe we can chat again after the new game's out and just see how it's doing. That sounds great. Thank you, uh, Ryan, Ken. It was a pleasure. And, um, I cannot tell you how much more exciting my night has been for being here to talk to you than it would have been otherwise. <laughs> well, that's a first. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll hear that again someday. Well, thanks. Right, thanks. A, thanks again, Jim. Awesome. Thanks guys. Thank you. All right. We're back. Just a big thank you to Jim Felly for talking with us about cosmic frog and about, uh, you know, game design in general. It's very interesting to hear his path and his philosophy on design. And it was even more interesting to hear about, Cosmic Frog being a, a very iterative game to the point where frogs weren't even a part of the picture when the game started. That that part took yeah, that me was by fascinating. surprise. That was yeah. so fascinating. And then actually being a uh, an ogre player who had you know the Warhammer giant you know in my <laughs> army, I w- it just like it it made it so worthwhile because like 
you know, you would roll a dice to see what that thing would even do, right? And some of it was putting stuff in its pockets and like grabbing things. Eating like, so it. It was perfect. Yeah. And then <laughs> so good. So good. Which I think one of them was just shove him down his pants too, right? Yep. Yeah. It would put something in his pants. Yeah. Um, yeah. But oh, how good is that new game? I'm so excited for that new game. Um, it sounds like a yeah. perfect, like up my alley type of game. So I got to try it. Two players on Tabletop Simulator uh, before it was actually out. So I, th- I believe as of yesterday or the day before, Jim emailed me directly and said, hey, the, the TTS mod is actually available to the public now, so you can try it for free. It's it's extremely good. Uh, the TTS mod is, is fantastic. I don't know. Everything about that game was really fun, and I really enjoyed it. So the game is titled... The mirroring of Mary King, as in a mirror that you look in and see yourself, the mirroring of Mary King. It is about a woman, I believe, who goes to modern day Scotland and there's, there's, Jim kind of gives the, the background in the interview about it, but you're basically a human player and the other player is a two player game. You're a human player and the other player is a ghost of Mary King. And they're both struggling for control over the consciousness or soul of, you know, this, this person. And it's very, very unique in mechanics. You have a set of tiles that show a picture of Mary King's face and they're kind of mixed up at the start of the game between the human and the ghost. And then you're playing these, um, control cards, which allow you basically shows the grid of tiles and certain spots are highlighted red. And if you play that card, you flip over the tile, whether you control it or not, you flip it over to the other side, uh, for those red, those red blocks. And you can flip the control cards up or, you know, uh, around completely 180 degrees so that what you're seeing orientation wise for what you would flip would change if you flip the card 180 degrees, which makes it even more kind of mentally challenging to sit there and look at your hand and be like, Oh, these don't really work for me. And then you flip them over and you're like, Oh crap, this is really great. Um, there's also some power cards in between that both players can use. Those are very, very interesting and can create some really cool combos. In the two games I played with Jim, he smashed me the first game. The second game I won by a single point. You can do a lot of deck cycling. You can steal cards from your opponent. You can play your opponent's cards. There's all kinds of cool effects in the game. So it is incredibly cool. Uh, it seemed very, very polished and very well balanced when I played, um, Super excited to try it again. We'll have to try it once you get Tabletop Simulator installed on your machine at some point in time. But yeah, it's called The Mirroring yeah, of Mary King. And again, TTS mods out. The game is likely, when I spoke to Jim last time, the game is likely to be released at the end of this year. Copies available at the end of this year. If not, it will be the beginning of next year. And one other thing we, we didn't mention yet about the interview, but he is not going to Kickstarter with us. He just goes straight to retail. And I thought, in this sort of, I sound like a like I'm old or something, but in this day and age, with all the Kickstarters day, we out kickstarted there, games. <laughs> yeah, like GameFound, Kickstarter, everything's just like crowdfunded. It's really refreshing to hear of a publisher, a small publisher like Jim, who does his own work, does his own games, handles the fulfillment, all the you know manufacturing stuff, and no Kickstarter, just gets it right to retail. It's it's really refreshing to hear that. Yeah, he uh, nicely corrected me with my one question. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, and again, I you know I think I gave him away my methods, right? Either there, either I scan Kickstarter or I I do the uh, browsing of the pre-orders on Mini Market. 
you know, in my insomnia at times, and uh, I, I got I got him confused. So he he nicely corrected me. So thank you, Jim. Yeah. So check that out if you get the chance. Looks really good. Plays really good. Super balanced. Super fun. And big thanks to Jim for giving us a bit of a sneak preview there. And I'm excited to check that out after uh, after release. So let's get started on Cosmic Frog. I I'm going to do my best to explain this so you can help me fill in any gaps if you like. <laughs> Good luck. The Cosmic Frog is chaos in a box. Uh, the best way to describe Cosmic Frog is it is taking place in the universe, let's say, and you are a giant godlike frog. And the the world's, I guess, universes, galaxies have shattered into different pieces of land that are just floating all around the ether. And you are supposed to – you're being tasked with collecting these lands to sort of rebuild society, I guess. And your frog can go fly around in, in this – they call it a shard, which is a collection of land tiles, and eat the land into your gullet. And then jump off of the land into the ether and barf – or they what do they call it? What is it? What's the term they use in the game? I can't even remember. We just say barf. We always say barf. Or or, or um, what is it? Synonyms for barf. You know, vomit, vomit barf. Expectorate. Yeah, yep. lots um, of goodies. But basically, you throw up the land into what, dig- your vault. It's, it's digest and then re- – I don't even think it's regurgitate. I, I can't remember. We but, just always say barf. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we, yeah, We love it. Yeah, regardless. Regardless, uh, regardless yeah. of the action, you are uh, bringing back the tiles from your gullet out into uh, your your tableau. Yep. So they call, the, they call that the vault – and your vault is basically locked only to you. And the way you position these tiles in your vault is how endgame scoring is is uh, calculated. So basically, you can create rows. You can sandwich stuff. Uh, it has both order, um, you know, horizontally, but also vertically. So the way you stack tiles can affect your score too, and how you process your score at the end of the game. Super interesting scoring condition. Very mentally challenging when you play that game because you're so tied up in you know, what the other great part of that game is, which is combat. You can fight the other players. Uh, every frog has a player has a unique frog power, which can affect their, um, you know, their combat prowess or their ability to steal land from other people or whatever. There's lots of different variations and powers. All of them are very cool. You can punch a frog so hard that it flies into another dimension, which is amazing. Uh, like from a concept and theme standpoint, that is the most awesome thing ever. When they're in other dimensions, you can raid their vault and steal the land they do have. So there's a lot of potential for, you know, planning ahead and making a beautiful setup on your, your tableau. And then it's all gone. Someone just punches you out into the fourth dimension and the rest of the frogs just eat all your stuff. So I think I'm doing it justice by saying it's chaos in a box. The other big thing to note with this game is that turn order is completely random. That's right. Completely random. There's a deck of cards and they're all shuffled together in a four player game. I believe there's five cards for each uh, player color and they're all shuffled randomly and you're, as you play, you just flip over the top card of that deck. If it's your color, you go. If it's not, you wait. And you just keep going like this. You could go six turns without getting a turn. You could get all five of your turns in a row and then sit the rest of the round. Completely random. That is pure chaos. Again, it's all unique things in this game from from the the way 
turnovers determined to the end game scoring to the you know the the tile uh you know eating and <laughs> regurgitating <Yeah. laughs> um you know to the you know to the kaiju like space fights that you're having with these giant frogs i mean it's just it's very unique it is which, it is wacky uh, yeah which i guess is a great segue right into theme which is our first category so we review games based off of five categories theme balance fun component quality and replayability we rate it from zero to five. We haven't had any zeros yet, but I'm sure there will be someday. And then we finally give it a rating of would this game make you lose friends or not? Is it infuriating enough to make you flip a table and punch someone in the mouth? Uh, let's start with theme. What did you have? So if you've been listening at all uh, to, to our past podcasts, uh, I, I'm really, I guess, critical on, on theme to a degree. Um, or I'm just bad at knowing what theme is in a game. However, <laughs> maybe both. Uh, maybe a little. Yeah, can it be both? Uh, but um, Cosmic Frog to me uh, is the most thematic game that we've played to to date, and the most one that we've reviewed uh, specifically. So I gave Cosmic Frog Frog a four point five on theme because it is every little detail uh, of this all works together in some weird way, wacky way, but yet it still uh, matters and it all uh, works well together. Um, and I think I maybe even commented like the fact that, you know, the frogs do this sort of gorging. Uh, I mean, that's, there are frogs in real life that do this, you know, they're, they're in Africa, but you know, still <laughs> you, you might have a, a grumpy bullfrog in Pennsylvania that uh, eats a lot too, but, um, and they're savages. Um, so I love it. So theme for me was just a uh, home run 4.5. I went with a five because yeah. I don't think I've played a game <laughs> that is as out there thematically as this yet still ties the gameplay and mechanics of the game into the theme so tightly and so well that I don't complain about it in a way. Um <laughs> It's just it's perfect. The art in this game is so good. The gameplay itself works so well with the theme. I love the concept of these massive frogs just throwing haymakers and blowing each other out into another dimension. And all the land just falls out of their mouth that I can just scoop up and become the ultimate frog god. It's just so weird and cool. And it works. It works so well with the mechanics. It's a five for me. So he nailed it balance. This is where the game falls down a little for me. It doesn't make it less fun for me, which we'll cover in the next category, but I think this game has balance issues, and I don't think it's because it's not designed correctly. I think it's because it's intended to be this way, and I don't know how to score it based off that, because it's like the game wants to be chaos, and it wants to play chaotically. I mean, it's just the, the theme of it kind of fits and works that way. But the hard part is the mechanics when you're playing it can get to be a little bit imbalanced as a result. So the random turn order it can be just completely soul crushing depending on your, you know, your position in the game, how much stuff you have, your position on the map. Like there's a bunch of things that can play into that. But the idea of you have five turns around, so you have to count cards, right? If there's four players and it's five per player, there's 20 cards. You know how many you have left. You know roughly how long you have until the likelihood of one of your card is be your your 
color cards are being drawn, so it's your turn. But if you go like six or seven or eight turns without getting to go, it sucks. Like it can really suck. And I do think there's some balance issues maybe between a few of the the um, frog powers. There's a couple that are really good. I think you had one where anytime you – I think it was anytime you, you grabbed a land or something, you could move a space or something like that. There's a few that seem a little bit better yeah. than others. Um, so I gave the balance a 3.5. I do think the game is designed to be unbalanced and crazy. But if you're looking for a traditional board game experience, you're not going to really like this as much, in my opinion, because of that chaoticness and because of the fact that you're going to have to wait to do things so long. Or you'll get to do all your stuff right away and then sit the rest of the round and watch your empire crumble. Yeah, I I was very similar. Uh, I actually went a point, a point of a point lower. I'm at a three for balance because, yeah, if you don't get to go – again, it's not like you – how do I put this? You don't necessarily don't really advance, but you it's almost uh there's a boredom moment, right? Where you don't get to, if you don't get to go for a while, you sort of lose interest in a way. Yeah. And again, maybe that ties more to fun, but just the fact that you don't know if you're going or not, I guess can play into your mental stability regarding balance, right? Like like no, you feel right. like you're already behind, but you're not in a way. Um, but yeah, the, 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 what are the, are they got, what are the powers called? Do they have a specific title? What type of, uh, entity? Yeah, well, each card has, has traits? their own, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what don't they're called. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there are some that are, you know, depending on how you're playing, depending on how your opponents are playing, will make you even stronger and less likely to lose. Um, when sometimes if you're forced to, uh, swap and then you get a lesser power. I could again, it gets you a little out of whack, and then you got to reset your strategies. But it's still, <laughs> but again, to your point, it it's intended that way. But from a review standpoint, I don't think I think balance is just sort of middle of the road, right? Yeah. Yep, I would agree. Uh, what'd you have for fun? So fun again. I I love the game. I I enjoy playing it. I don't mind. You know, yes, I just made a comment about there are moments of boredom when, like, if you don't get to go for four turns, five turns, you're like WTF. I get that. I get that. And it and it and I did have to ding it a little for that. Um, but I gave it a four. Uh, I think you know mechanically it's simple. Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of strategy involved in it. Um, but but it's fun. You you know you do enjoy your time, except for that one little thing. Yeah, I I have it at a four point five. I think because that that is a concern for me for the fun, but the game pace when you know how to play, like we we've gotten used to playing it now. I think after a few tries, it goes fast. You like you flip a card, a player goes. You flip a card, a player goes. Other than the combat kind of slowing things down just a little bit. There's not a whole lot of turn length, and so I think the pacing of the game continues to move fairly quickly, which helps a lot. The combat's really fun. Getting vaults raided is really fun. I think the, you know, just horfing lands down and puking them up into space, the idea of it's fun. The actual mechanics of it are fun. The movement's pretty good. Like, there's nothing about it that I really feel that detracts from me except for that turn thing. And because it's so fast, 
turns are so fast it doesn't really ding it too much for me. So I've never played this game and not had a blast. I will say that the few times we played it, we don't really go after each other that much. I feel like we need to start, you know, punching frogs. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we should force a rule where you can't fill your gullet without having a fight or something like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, cause, yeah. because that's at the end of the day, right? Uh, your your vault is sort of your end game, right? So, yeah. We're all trying to get the best score regardless of beating each other up, you know? Yeah. I think that's that's something that I think is missing from the plays we've had that I would enjoy more. And it brings more of the uh, unique powers into play, too. So there's that. But 4.5 for me, it's, it's a fun game. Like, if you were guaranteed a land from combat, a tile from combat, maybe you would fight more. You know, kind of like that Arcadia Quest style, right? Where... Yeah. If you kill another hero, you get a gold, right? Gold's, you know, precious, you know, in, in Arcadia Quest. So maybe it's something like that, an incentive, you know, to, you know, fight a frog, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's part of the game, too, is that you watch your, your opponents, what they gulp up, what they are putting into their vault, knowing what you need and maybe planning ahead a little better. That's something that we don't do a ton of. But it's also sometimes hard to get to your opponents, too. Like, if Brad's all the way across the map and I want to go smack him into the fourth dimension, it's going to be kind of tough to get over there without making it obvious. So, But yeah, there's a a lot of fun to the combat, too. Component quality, I gave this a five. Box art's amazing. Card art's amazing. The card stock's amazing. There's an insert. The oomph tokens are big and chunky and cool. The board itself is a neoprene mat printed nicely with stitched edging. The art on that is fantastic. The layout is fantastic. The dice are cool. They have a cool, like weird seventies comic book font on them. The models, the frogs, there's six models, but there's three unique types. So there's basically two of each one. They're awesome. They're printed well. Resin, I believe they're, they're fantastic. I painted mine just so that we could have some differentiation. The, um, you know, the player cards for turns are great. The figures come with standees for color, so it's very obvious who is who. There is not a single thing about the production of this game except maybe the rule book a little bit. It's a bit verbose that makes me knock this at all. It's a five for me. It's one of the few games I own where I literally open the box and I'm like this is I don't I don't think I change anything about this. Yeah, I um was very similar. I gave it a five as well. Um, everything about, you know, whatever you touch, whatever you use, uh, as a player, um, is just, it's, it's fantastic. The, the, uh, the chunk of those tiles is perfect. That the crystals are cool. Again, the, the frog minis, uh, I think capture, um, the essence, you know, and, and, and transport you into that theme of I am a giant space frog. <laughs> you know, I, you know, uh, you know, almost godlike kaiju, right? Of and and I can eat terrain. And if you want to fight, let's go. Like I just, <laughs> you know, the mat is perfect. Again, again, you could have done the mat. I mean, honestly, you may not even, you know, you you could have done it as just a piece of board. But again, I think you know we talked a little bit about you know this this uh sort of uh, artisanal twists, you know, or or a little bit of a deluxification on a on a past episode, and I think. I love the choices that were made uh, to just sort of kick this up a notch. Again, make it a, a little bit of a special game. But it's not overkill. And it doesn't, you know, and I don't think the price point, you know, makes it ungodly either. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it was a five for me. 
Replayability. How about your score? Um, <clears throat> so I, I went with a four because I can, again, what would we play? Maybe what, four or five times, three times, something like that, five, you know, somewhere in there. Yep. Uh, we're, we're by no means done, right? Um, but I do feel that there is a, there is going to be a, a moment where it's, you, if, if, well, I know we got a little sneak peek that there might be some new stuff coming, but if you will eventually, you know, sort of run out of that box, and if you don't add new people into the Cosmic Frog world, you know, so people can get to experience it, uh, I think it is going to lose a little bit. But it's high because there's those powers are very unique. The player count is good on this. Like you can go as low as two, right? Yeah, I think so. And then as high as six. So, you know, between player counts and and the asymmetric powers, um, there's a lot in the box. But I think it does have a, it will have a, a, a shelf life, is if that's a <laughs> on replayability. Yeah, I went with a four point five. I think. I could play this for a very long time. Every game's so different. I don't think you're ever going to see too many games go the same way. Uh, especially if, like you said, you vary up the players that you play with. So I just think with the number of unique frog powers and the way the land tiles are randomly generated, the way the, the shard, uh, fractures are randomly generated. We didn't even talk about that part. There, there's so much stuff that yeah. happens in this game that's so random and crazy. And that's part of the fun of it, which is why I think replayability-wise, that that gives it a higher value than a lot of games I own. So four point five seems appropriate for me, but I, I can see your point on a four. So my final score ended up being a four point five. How about yours? I was a four point one, and this tied Nidavellir and Arcadia Quest. So that's Some the company, company that it keeps. That's yeah. what I'm just. <laughs> you know, those that's are some both- hallowed ground. Yeah, I, I love both those games, and you know what? I <laughs> I really do love Cosmic Frog. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful product, beautiful game. Yeah, Jim told us quite a bit about you know the design of it and the final product being what it is is kind of impressive to me. Um, I think that's a credit to him and his kind of vision for what the game was supposed to be at the end. So, tip of the cap, tip of the Kengal there to him too. That that was an impressive uh, end state for that project and. Yes, you are correct. There was some stuff teased about potential upcoming things with Cosmic Frog. I'm not going to say anything else beyond that, but there is a chance. And also, if you get an opportunity, visit DeviousWeaselGames.com. There is Cosmic Frog posters for sale. Uh, they are reprinting, so they they did get a whole new stock in for all of the different art that's offered. It's not every frog in the box, but it is a good chunk I own the Telluric one. I'm thinking about getting one more, but they're really cool, nice posters. I think Jim mentioned he bumped the price about five bucks, but uh, if you're a fan, it's still worth it. So check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Is this a table flipper for you? Would you punch someone in the nose? Would you punch them into the outer dimensions, I should say? <laughs> I, I put this as a no. Uh, it And again, maybe that's just because we've played pretty passive games, um, you know, for the most part. I could see maybe uh again I think there's the incentive if, if there's a a better incentive for fighting you know maybe you would get to this like level with somebody cuz you would get picked on or beat up like you would in arcade quest um yeah. but no I didn't feel it's weird I I it has a again the theme 
and there's a there's an aura around this game when you see it on the table, and it's just a very sort of chill, relaxed vibe to it, and I love that about it. So no, yeah, I, I put it as a yes because of the oh, you did, <laughs> I did because like we're, we're we're the Swiss of fro- of the frog space world, like we have not beat each other up much yet and i feel like when we really start getting into that and starting to affect other players scores more by combat i think that's going to change things a lot and yeah that ganging up may happen too especially like you knock somebody out into the furthest dimension in space and everyone can just go in there and raid their stuff right it's not even it's not even going to be remotely cool for that person that would piss me off pretty bad so i i say yes even though we have not done that yet i see the potential for it there all right so so that was Cosmic Frog. Go ahead. I well, I don't know. I don't think I've put I've only put yes by certain games because I've had those moments. But Cosmic Frog hasn't given me those moments. So I could see it changing. Honestly, it could, right? To your point. But yeah. at current, I've not been uh upset at anyone by playing Cosmic Frog. <laughs> like I have like you know Looters or Arcadia Quest. Or when Quest, someone throws a quacks. bomb in your starting area in Arcadia yes. Quest. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Oath, where I win and I'm not happy about winning. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But no, Cosmic Frog's still enough for me. But thank you, Jim. Uh, we really appreciate um, you taking the time to uh, meet with us and, and tell us all the things that you told us. Uh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed getting to meet you. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Uh, like we've mentioned before, it's awesome for us to get to talk to designers and developers to learn more about how they hone their craft and how they come up with these ideas like frogs punching each other into outer dimensions. And it's very fascinating to listen to the design process and sort of how things started versus how they finished. So appreciate the time, Jim, like Ken said. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely try to speak with Jim again when the mirroring of Mary King hits retail. So maybe later this year, early next year, if, if the scheduling works out right. So we'll revisit Jim and see how things are going at that time. But if you have the opportunity and you're a fan of Devious Weasel or Cosmic Frog, check out the mirroring of Mary King on Tabletop Simulator. The mod's currently available. You can also uh, check out the mirroring of Mary King, hopefully at the end of this year for retail. It's a two-player game. Very cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Hopefully Ken and I get to play it and talk about it some more in the future. But appreciate Jim taking the time and check that out if you get the chance. And if you haven't played Cosmic Frog, try that on TTS too, because that's also available. All right, let's hop into Backed Bought and then we'll wrap this show up. Uh, I've got four for Kickstarter and one that I actually bought through retail. I think your Kickstarter list is probably longer than mine, which is generally a safe guess. Why don't you get us started? <laughs> well, so I guess the one we both backed that has been funded since, I guess, the last time we recorded uh, was the Paradox Initiative. Um, I'm super excited uh, for that pledge manager because then we get to make a decision on what four playmats we each get. And I'll be honest with you, there's so much amazing art in this game. I don't know what for. I have a feeling we're both going to pick the Manny Tremblay art, so we're going to have a duplicate. <laughs> but, but there's a chance that we would have at least, uh, what is that, six other unique uh, artists, potentially, uh, just depending on both of our tastes. But I know we both love Manny Tremblay, so I, I have a feeling we're both going to pick do. that land. So 
Uh, so I'm excited for the pledge manager for that. Uh, and so the first sort of current, uh, campaign that is being, uh, funded is the, how do I even put this? I guess the artisanal deluxification of Ra. Uh, Ra is uh, one of Reiner Knizia's, almost one of his more famous games that I guess has been reprinted three times since it's since the first version. And this is maybe its fourth iteration. And this, or maybe this is the third. Uh, so I apologize if I'm wrong there. But this has just amazing, amazing components. It's just so beautiful. And I'm a big Reiner Knizia fan, so I figured, and I didn't own the other previous versions of Raw, although I've heard about it for a while, so I just, uh, I took the plunge, and that's on GameFound. Uh, you can, if, you know, depending on when this comes out, you probably still be, might be able to find it. And that is Raw, R-A. So I just recently backed a game I've looked at for a long time called morals or morels i guess it's morels the mushroom that's right morel mushroom you bought it you backed uh, it they they had another kickstarter yeah and with the expansion um it was their 10th anniversary since the release of the game and i think it was like 20 25 bucks and i've been meaning to get this for a long time i just never picked it up so i thought you know what that's a fine price so boom done you uh, that is good. awesome because that was on my saved list and i'm so glad you got it and i didn't <laughs> Because <laughs> I felt guilty not getting it. Uh, yeah, for, for I can't that wait. Price. I, I've, yeah, it was such a good deal. I should have snagged it, but I was like, ah, I don't know. But yeah, the fact that you did those, it, I'm like, this is awesome. It's one of those games that's pretty beloved by the people that know about it, and, and yeah. so much so that the you know the campaign is sitting at two thousand seven hundred and fifteen percent at the end of of funding. So they. Yeah, obviously knew there was going to be some demand for another printing, so I figured, ah, eh, we'll we'll swing in this time. So I think I picked that up with the expansion for like twenty five bucks. So yeah, Morels, I am looking forward to trying it for the first time after hearing so much good stuff about it. Yeah, definitely, I'm, I'm excited too. So um, the next one that I backed, okay, so now we're back over to Kickstarter for me, <clears throat> was uh, <laughs> a, a, a little card game. By, I think it's a first-time designer and publisher as well, which again always has, you know, some scariness to it. But um, I, you know, I take a chance on certain, you know, publishers and designers, and it's a game called Hunters of the Lost Creatures. It is a again the art is what drew me in, and then watching the mechanics of this game, it's simple. And I can just see so much. It, it's it's party adjacent, I'll call it, because I think it's going to have a wide audience that can play this, um, similar to a party game. And basically, you're trying to score different uh, colors of animals, so it's a set collection type style. And when an animal comes up, or there'll be you know several animals out, and everyone is going to pick a, a hunter in their hand, that matches one of the colors. Now, if you are the only one that picks that animal, you get the animal, right? So if you play a yellow hunter and you're the only one that plays a yellow, you get the yellow card. So that goes into your tableau in front of you. Now, if multiple people pick the same color, then sort of the animal escapes and no one wins. And I thought that was kind of neat and clever, that that little 
little mechanic there about that. Uh, to the point where I also think there's some sort of negative where like, if you, if you, you know, miss a shot, you get some sort of negative point added to your score. Um, but again, just simple, fun, silly, uh, and you know, price point was good. So I'm going to take a chance on it. Sounds good. So the next one I had was, uh, something that I wasn't very confident that I was going to fund, but decided to throw a couple bucks at it towards the end of the campaign. That is, uh, Feralis Obscure Land. Don't really like the subtitle there. It could have just gone with Feralis, but hey, it's a sort of a deck builder kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's a deck construction game. You basically plays these gods called Acers and then you, have these creatures that you summon in and you can kind of mutate them throughout the course of the game. And then sort of, they call this mechanic awakening, which basically bumps its power and stuff up. Um, and then you fight, you know, the other player. Uh, it looked pretty cool. Has the art is fantastic. I think the, the, it's quarter of this like fantasy horror theme almost. It's, it's really interesting look. The campaign was reasonably priced, came with quite a bit of stuff, including some expansions. So, I'm on the fence if I'm going to fully do the whole thing when when the time comes for the pledge manager. We'll kind of see what state the project's at, but it had enough potential that I was kind of interested in it. So I threw a few bucks just to make sure I could get in and we'll see what it looks like in, you know, a few months when that that hits. But interesting looking game, not sure yet if it's for me, but uh, you know, just sticking my foot in the door in the meantime. Yeah, that's interesting. We may have to have a whole conversation around the uh, the dollar pledge or the you know the pledge manager level pledge. Yeah, because uh, I'm fascinated by people that can do that and then not get the games. <laughs> uh, so we'll find uh, out again. We may have to. We yeah, we may have to talk about that down the road. But uh, so my next one is uh, the latest from uh, Button Shy. And it's called Battlecrest. And I, I'm, uh, I know we talked, uh, what was it, a few episodes back, you had got some button shy games in. Uh, yep. Some of mine, uh, I think my only button shy game was Tussie Mussy, and I have the expansion for it. Loved that game. Uh, and their newest one is, again, it's called Battlecrest, and it's a skirmish type, type game where it's, uh, I guess there's a 1v, you know, it's a 1v1, but then. If you buy the expansions, you can get multiple players going. So it could be a multiplayer game. So you're going to get the expansion, which is already in the button shy wallet style anyway, uh, if you back that level. Um, but again, the art looks super cool. Again, little fun. And again, the price point for button shies are usually, you know, pretty decent. So I think mine is, yeah, under $30 to get a game and, and the game and then two hero expansions. So, so each hero is going to come in its own wallet, I think, or, or the they'll come together. So it looked just it looked silly and fun. So and the art was cool. So I was a sucker and threw more at Button Shy. So never a uh, never a bad plan to throw throw money towards Button Shy stuff. I, I don't very few games on that list of of stuff they offer that I don't care for. Majority of them are very solid, and I love their solo offerings. Uh, Sprawlopolis is still one of my favorite solo games ever. I still pull that out probably once a month to play maybe more um my very last yeah anytime i have that one and uh food chain island is actually really good i love that one too my last kickstarter was a cheap you know throw 20 bucks and see where it lands type thing and it's called birds of a feather 
Um, I love <laughs> nice. Wingspan, right? It's a fun game, but this this is uh, more bird-oriented stuff, but it's very different. It's a pretty uh, lightweight card game. Plays in, it says it plays in like 20 minutes, which, you know, from what I saw looks about right. You can, it's a set collection game, but you can use your opponent's cards, which is kind of cool. So there's some interesting mechanics going on, but the game has really nice art. Um, the, the publisher, I think, I don't think this is their first game, but it's one of their few games. Um, they seem pretty high quality. You know, it's, it's one of those eco-friendly productions, which I don't necessarily purchase with that in mind, but it's nice to hear for, you know, board games in general moving in that direction. It's not a bad thing, but I think it was like $20 look good enough to take a shot. Pretty simple. Something I could play with the kids or the family. So yeah, birds of a feather. I don't think the pledge manager went out yet, so it's probably going to be a little bit. So if there's something, you know, that you're interested in getting in on there at that price point, it's worth checking out. Yeah, this is from – is that the one from Snowbright Studio? Yep, Snowbright. Yeah, so they um, – this is their third game. Okay. So, yeah, I wasn't familiar with them, uh, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had done an RPG prior and then uh, a little adventure game. Uh, with uh, little little kitties, it looks like. So it's got that really... I mean, again, the art is so different, but yet they still kept the sort of the animal theme, right? But the... the oh, that red-winged blackbird on the uh, on the cover of that game is looks so good. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. The art's nice. Yeah. So my last one on the uh, funding uh, for, for, I guess, Kickstarter right now is for the Game Boy Geek Season 10. I'm not sure if we really talked too much about it, but I've been uh, trying to sort of give back more to uh, the content contributors on YouTube that I sort of watch like my TV shows. So I, I, I've done, you know, uh, the Dice Tower uh, seasons in the past. I've done uh, Man vs. Meeple. And the, the Game Boy Geek one just happened that I could get in on a bundle. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple bundles still available, but it was a game that I wanted to try. Uh, called Lawyer Up, uh, which is also having season two on GameFound, but I'm like, ah, I'll wait. So, but um, to see if the base game's good. So, I got in at the Lawyer Up bundle, uh, which also gets you the the promo pack, um, and then these cool coasters that are Game Boy Geek themed. So, for I guess it's season ten for the Game Boy Geek. So that's amazing, and uh, it just it's, it's a testament to the content and to these 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 types of uh, contributors and their dedication to this 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 hobby, the space. So, a little bit never hurts to give back. Cool. So purchased. Uh, I think you said you didn't have any, right? No, I actually have not. Well, I haven't bought a game in a while. I'm sad. It hurts. Yeah. Cue the Hulk. I, the Hulk sad music. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't picking up anything. I had that Target sale, and then since then I got nothing. But I I broke down. I was trying not to get anything because we just have so much to go through and play. But one that had piqued my interest for a long time was Brian Boru, High King of Ireland. And it went on sale about two weeks ago. I picked it up. I think it was like 30 to $35, which to me is a pretty great price for this game. We have not gotten to the table yet. And I think not this coming week, but next week when we get together, we're finally going to try it. It looks amazing to me. It's a trick-taking game, area control. <clears throat> excuse me, all kinds of like scoring tracks. And it just, it 
it hits so many different potential nails in the head from a gameplay and fun standpoint for me. I think the group's going to enjoy it. I, I'm pretty sure this is right yeah. up your alley too. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I watched the Rodney uh, watch it played in uh, in advance of of getting to the table. I I've heard how good this game was um, prior, and again, it was one of those uh, you know thematically doesn't jump at me like some of the other right. games that we play but but it was one of those that i was like ah if i find it or it goes on sale like you said you know i i might throw it into the collection because uh i like the uh the mix of the mechanics right so it does like a lot of different mechanics but it does it differently than or or <laughs> again there's not a game that combines all these mechanics like this so no not that it I looks know super fun you know like and and then we've been we've been sort of talking about that, you know, too lately is like finding unique games, right? Games that aren't just, you know, pushing cubes and just regurgitating the same old thing. And again, it, it seems like there's some that squeak in uh, from time to time. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, this is definitely one of them that the trick taking in it, uh, the first thing I was trick taking, I'm like, Ugh. and then I saw the box. I'm like, that's a big box for some trick taking. And I learned more and was like, all right this is worth a shot. And for that price, I was like, I got to do it. So I broke my abstinence and my wallet was, you know, crying in the corner alone. So I figured I'll give it a little love. So it's sitting on my shelf and we'll be playing it in a couple weeks. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to do it for tonight's show. Thank you again, everybody for listening. We are 13 episodes in and I hope the next 13 are about as uh, fast as these came, or at least it felt fast. I'm sure it doesn't to everybody listening because we take too long in between episodes <laughs> yeah. to release but that's okay uh yeah, i have to find find new excuses to stretch out podcasts <laughs> <laughs> i think we got things nailed down no, now just, right we switched no. some no no switched I hope, some microphones I hope, yeah. some recording software it's yeah. looking things are looking up uh yeah. check us out at playgameslosefriends.com on the web Play games, lose friends on Instagram. You can email us if you have questions about the show, comments, you want to give feedback, you want us to talk about a game, your publisher, whatever. Play games, lose friends at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at PGLF show, although I rarely ever update it because I'm a pile of crap. <laughs> what am I missing? That's it, right? We got, we got all I our think that's oh, it, buddy. Nope, one more. Oh. If you, oh. <laughs> I got to write this down at some point. If you like the show, leave a good review for oh. us on Apple podcasts or spotify or whatever you listen to the show on just leave a good review helps us get the show out to more people and grow things from a listener standpoint and we would appreciate it that would be very nice of you yeah. rate Before. review and subscribe Yay. yes <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thanks for tuning in we'll be back soon with another episode until then have fun play games and take care <laughs>